Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift. We have a jam-packed racing roundup from the weekend. Some other news. We're going to go through Kerner. Questions coming out of the opening weekend. Are Jumbo Wiesner overpowered or... Will it fall down in Flanders? How will Wout Van integrate? We've got Fornar Desch with Philippe making a statement. We have Vingegaard dominating Grand Camino ahead of Paris-Nice. Tour of Rwanda recap. Strada Bianca short preview. And one of a rider apparently killed a cat with an air rifle. That news came out today, which was not on my bingo card for Tuesday morning. But yeah, we're going to get it all into it. You're back in Belgium, Benji. Is it what you saw Omlope and you saw the miserable conditions and you thought I have to be back in uh, West Flanders? Yes, sir. And uh, I woke up this morning and I went outside because I don't go outside often, but when I do, it's apparently snowing out here. So that's not great. There's some mass happening on a day where it's snowing. So I don't know. I hope the, the snow doesn't impact the race in the same way that it did at Gran Camino last week. But um, it's definitely not the nicest weather here, but it's similar to the UK. So it's not a big difference in like, Weather conditions. Is it a big difference between Australia and Andorra for you? Yeah, so 33 degrees here today and minus 14 at home. And I begin my Odyssey tomorrow. So quick maths, not a maths guy, 47 degree <laughs> swing, delta. So we'll see how I go. Um, probably for, I'll, I'll complain about whichever one. I just like complaining. So that's how I roll. But Minus 14 degrees. I mean, the Zwift plug writes itself, Benji. <laughs> Minus yeah. 14 and ice. And there's like Andor, there's weather warnings on like, you see in the like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Benji for the podcast listeners is pointing to his Zwift setup behind him. <laughs> 100k now wins minus 14. Makes me very, very grateful to have the Zwift hub set up ready for me back in Andorra. The best priced trainer on the market to get you Jumping in and jumping on Zwift to stay on top of your fitness goals. We're tracking it. I can't wait to get back on Zwift at home. And you can earn free Zwift with the new referral program. You can get your friends 30 days free and yourself 30 days free with your unique link when they subscribe. So no better time to get your peeps on board. It's a win-win for both of you. But Kerner Benji... Jumbo Visma, they won Omlope the day before. They stretched the peloton out early. They opened the gap. I mean, 90Ks to go. Were you surprised? I mean, no, stupid question. Dumb question. <laughs> no, of course you're not surprised they're doing this. Why are, quotation marks, I have to ask the question, why are other teams letting them do this? Well, I would expect that teams like Alotto and so forth were expecting or are planning to try and keep this race as close as possible. So for the Delhi, for example, and then there's a, an opposite with Philipson, a quick step with Jakobsen at this race. So those teams, when they sprint, Jumbo comes to the front because they want to split up the, the group and want to make it as hard as possible. But you're saying, why do teams allow this to happen? Well, Jumbo goes to the front and starts stretching it out. As in, they start just pacing over hills and so forth. So if you're another team, there's not much you can do in response to that except for holding on to the Yanbo train at the front, no? Because what are you going to do? Are you going to counter them and lose your own race as a consequence, making it harder for your sprinter? That I don't see happening. Like, what do you expect another team to do at that point? If they had Asgren or Alaphilippe or Avonapol, well, which they didn't, which they didn't, I would put them in that group and have them not work, is what I would do. Uh, in but they in didn't. the group, if of the Yumbo. split up happened, yep. right? Not in the peloton, eh? Because I'm, I'm discussing this as in, we're still in the peloton phase, we're still in the group phase where Yumbo is just stretching it out. Now, they did do something, Yumbo, to make a smaller group at the front, and there I agree with you. They allowed three riders of them to basically form a group up front by Laporte losing 
the wheeler on purpose. He's opening up a gap behind that in the middle of the train at the front of the peloton. And Wellens comes past and another rider comes past. And we get like a stronger group at the front. Mohoric was in there as well. Now, I agree there. I agree there with you and other teams can put riders in there and not work with Jumbo. Because if you've got a sprinter behind, you shouldn't work, eh? But what if you're Mohoric? Do you work or not? I don't think so because you've got Milan behind. Wellens probably no, but works. they don't think like that. They don't think like that about Milan. So Morich and as well, this is how previous... So group goes ahead, Jumbo split it apart, Tratnik drops back. This is like 90Ks to go, 80Ks to go, I don't know. So far out, two hours left in the race. A group goes with, yeah, Morich, Wellens, Van Hoydonk, Benoit, and Taco. They caught Taco from the break. From the yep. break. I think Wellens getting caught the day before and in his interview afterwards in Omloop, he was like, damn, real shame to get so close to like a fifth or fourth and to get nothing. Yeah. That sort of thing impacts how riders will ride the next race. 100%. And it impacted maybe 1%. It actually didn't impact it because they ain't getting caught. Maybe it did. Maybe he was like, we are not getting caught. I'm going to pull full gas because these five guys, I'll mention their names again, Morich, Benoit, Taco, Wellens, Van Hoydonk. Who is bringing that back, Benji? You need... They're like A leaders on half the teams in the peloton, and they're five guys rotating. One minute gap, even with 60Ks of flat after the hills. Like, it, Ballerini or Seneschal ain't bringing this back ever. That's why the key of Jumbo making it hard before the group formed was important. Because that basically split up the peloton a bit already before that group got away. And that's why a team like UNOX has Kristoff in group 3 instead of group 2. And can't help group 2 because they're a minute behind group 2. So we've got a limited amount of mistakes in group 2 because Jumbo made it that hard towards the split up happening. And then it's like 5 riders that are very strong against 5 riders that are domestiques who are already in trouble from the climb. So it's going to get tougher and tougher to do so. And the only moment where you can gain time back is in my opinion when they arrive in like this, the latter part of the reins where the front riders start playing against each other a bit. And at some point I was like, ooh, is Yumbo trying too early? Because I swear with like 26 or was it 19 cage go roughly in that area, Van Hoydonk went fast around the corner. I don't know if it was an attack or something or a gap open. No, I think that was a, a don't you dare stop pulling yet move. Okay. Like a punishment move for someone who was maybe skipping. Yeah, okay. That, that would make sense, but we go into the final, we've got this group ahead, and you've got two of the, on paper, not super fast riders from Jumbo in that group. We don't really know Van Hoydong's sprint, but we know that Benoit's sprint is in existence, so he needs to attack from this group. Van der Horden has <laughs> won again. Well, it's true, and you know it. And Benoit knows <laughs> as well, so he knows he needs to attack. And Van der Horden, we've seen him, uh, I think, do a 1v1 against Kampenarts or something, and didn't he lose? No, that was Rizabek. Oh my god. I'm, I'm, I'm twisting the Dutch people around. Oh no. Uh, I mean, Van der Horn has won sprints in small groups before. That's that, I completely forgot where, but he has. And, um, well, who else was in the group? Mohoric has won group sprints as well in Benelux Tour back in the day. Back when it was an Eco Tour, I think. So, they can sprint. So what does Jumbo need to do? Roll attacks. And we see Van Hoydong being the first to roll attacks. Like, I initially was in the mindset of Van Hoydong has the faster sprint on paper, so Benoit should be the first one attacking. Or do you think they didn't trust either of them for the sprint? I agree. I was kind of... Yeah, I thought Benoit would be more the attacker, but it worked out that basically Benoit did one attack and Van Hoydong did at least four or five yeah. attacks including the final one and a big one in the crosswinds, which really put Morich, it ruined his race. Morich legs, he said afterwards, were dead after pulling yeah. Van Hoydonk back and Tucker was sitting on. And eventually afterwards, Morich then let the Yumbo guys go with Wellens because he was sick of Tucker. And he was like, Tucker sat on too much afterwards. And I want to mention that there were moments in like the final 10-ish kilometers where whenever Van Hoydonk was making a move to the front of the group, and Benoit was like in third position, he would let the gap go. And he would force the riders that are in fourth and fifth position 
to compost and close the gap to the front two riders again with Benoit in the wheel. It does spend a bit of energy of Benoit launching back up to the wheel again, but on the other end, they're spending much more energy closing the gap than Benoit is doing. As a consequence, during those small actions, they're making it harder and harder for these non-Yumbo riders to win the race. So there's all these small things that Yumbo did in this final stretch that actually improved their chances of winning towards the final. And then the final attack was a, was a brutal one, but mostly a brutally timed one, because I think Wellens will bump his head into a wall 10 times uh, of like, oh, maybe is there a way I could have responded at that moment? I don't know. But perfect time to tag by Benoit, yeah, it was. And the way Van Hoedonk set it up was brilliant, like fantastic work from Yumbo. And I, there wasn't much the others could do, I don't think. I also didn't expect Van Hoedonk's sprint to be this strong, so either. So crazy from them to win Kerner in that fashion. Yeah. Uh, I think I think Morich and Wellens are in really, really good shape, though. But Benoit wins ahead of Van Hoedonk, Morich third, Tucko fourth, Wellens fifth, Laporte wins the bunch sprint ahead of Lee seventh. Mayus eighth, Jakobsen ninth, Sturvin tenth. I still think, I still think Delay is quicker than Laporte. Um, yeah, for sure. We have one, one for Delay, one for Laporte so far on the weekend. I would say, I did notice that both Delay and Trotnik were in more trouble in Kuna than they were the day before. So I think the reason that Delay loses that sprint and the reason that Trotnik is gone so quickly from that front group with Van Hoydonk and so forth. It's partially because they went so hard the day before. Trotnik did a lot of work in that group to get the gap from like 5 seconds to 20-25 before he dropped. But the second that Wellens made that move just afterwards, Trotnik was completely parqueggio on the cobble section. So I think we might be underestimating the effects of Omlop on Saturday influencing Kuna on Sunday. I think so. Um... I don't know, what do you think about Yumbo here across opening weekend, Benji? Taking a broader view of it, we now have basically three weeks to Gen Wevelhem, and then yep. it's the real big classics, Gen Wevelhem, Dwarves Door, E3, Tour of Flanders, Wow Van Aert's not been in this team. Are they just going to roll the rest of the classics, or are we missing Asgren, Alaphilippe, Pagacha? Alaphilippe's doing Cobble Classics this year? Uh, yeah, he's doing Ronde van Vlaanderen, and I think Dwarsdor Vlaanderen as well, if I recall correctly. But when it comes to Jumbo, like, their team here, Benoit, Affini, Laporte, Tratnik van Baale, Tim van Dijk and Nathan van Hooydonk was their team for Omloop. That's a, a pretty damn strong team. That's by far the strongest team on the start list compared to other teams that are there. And we also see that other leaders are lacking, like you mentioned, which is the Alaphilippe at Quickstep, which is the Mathieu van der Poel is a big one at Alpesin. And next to that, Pogacar at UAE. We won't see Pogacar, I think, in the earlier ones, but he will be present in the likes of Ronde van Vlaanderen and so forth. Alaphilippe as well. And we saw last year that Jumbo started the Classics with a bang as well. They also won Omloop with Wout van Aert in a pretty dominant fashion where they, they attacked with Benoit in the group and they launched on, I think, the Berendries with Wout van Aert in that group. Then Colbrelli bridged up. That group made it pretty far, but then Benoit got caught on the mood and then Wout attacked just before the balls were. So once again, a pretty dominant performance by, by uh, Wout and by Jumbo in that race. And then E3 was another example of an early couple classic, less early than Omlop, where they were also very dominant. But then afterwards, they had bad luck. As in, Wout van Aert was not present in Ronde van Vlaanderen. Laporte rode into a ditch crash into a ditch before the outer quadrimond or something, I recall correctly, in the Ronde van Vlaanderen. Then we see Paris-Roubaix, where they have two collapsed wheel with, wheels with both Laporte and Wout van Aert, and then eventually the flat tires with Wout van Aert. I think Wout could have won Roubaix, perhaps, if he didn't have all that bad luck. But next to that, if they don't have that bad luck, they should be able to win, in my opinion, at least one of the big classics this year. If they don't with the team that they have, I think they'll consider it a failure as a team if they don't win one of these classics. I won't select a single rider and say, oh, Wout should win one of the two classics now, because it could easily be Van Bala anticipating a move just like Omlop and so forth that makes it happen. So I would definitely keep in mind that this team is strong enough that they should still win one of Ronde van Vlaanderen and Paris-Roubaix on paper, but the effect of Pogacar and Van der Poel coming into the race will be significant and we've seen Wellens being very strong. 
and put Wellens next to Pogacar as a domestique, a super domestique, or even as a rider that can anticipate a move so that Pogacar is sitting in the seed. I don't know, I'd rather see him as a full domestique for Pogacar on the outer quarter mall and then part of X trying to yeah, launch him, no? I think so, because that's how to beat Yumbo, right? Yeah, you just drop them all. Full launch on Quarmont. Hope yeah. Pagatra Alphalete comes. I uh, hope Vanderpool or Alphalete comes with you, and then right away, and Vanderpool's yeah. going to work with you. Alphalete's yeah. going to work with you. That's the only way. Mm. Roubaix, that's harder. Roubaix, the combination yeah. of Van Hoydonk, if they can carry this shape. By the way, we're in opening weekend. Paris Roubaix is a long time away, yeah. but theoretically, that's the one where. Van Baal, Van Hoydonk, and Wout is a, a dangerous combination. Uh, if they apply different tactics compared to Roubaix uh, last year and do more of their opening weekend tactics, but I don't think... Why isn't Quickstep bringing younger guys to this race? To these races, well, Benji? When it comes to younger riders, which ones are we looking at? The Mauro Schmitz of the world? Yeah, Schmidt. Uh, Van Tricht was a late call-up because of Asgren. Mm -hmm. Like, why aren't they bringing those guys through? Did Bagioli do any of them? Uh, I don't think so, but I think Bagioli is more leaning towards the, the Hill Classics when it comes to Desires. Now, I actually don't remember Bagioli on Cobble, so I don't know if he'd be good at it in the first place, but when it comes to Lampard, he's still there when it comes to his strength and so forth. He was there in the group after Molenberg in Omlop, so I was kind of expecting him to be there, but then nothing came from that and they they spent their entire team chasing the first group that got away in Omlop with Kasper Pedersen with Von Tricht also working there trying to close that gap and then the clinic also fell so three riders are spent just by chasing the Yumbo group that got away early in Omlop that I'm not sure Quickstep really was responsible to chase completely alone in the first place. Seneschal crashed uh, which is also a pretty important Thing to mention who do you have left ballerini sprinting for a top 10 eh well what else can they do at that point so i think this might not have been the best race situation for them to have the best result and with with kuru they were focusing on jacobs and i think that was was pretty clear but it just wasn't the sprint so hey then then you can't get much out of that eh i do expect this team to be stronger when they have an all-out leader like an alaphilippe and an osgrain in their ranks then they can make it in the groups that Yumbo creates and so forth, but they are clearly a, a shade of their former selves in the Cobble Classics, eh? Because Alaphilippe, we'll talk about what he's doing at the moment in a second, but can he do the exact thing that he did in that RVV where he rode into the motorbike? Can he do the same thing where he bridges up towards, I think it was Vanderpool and Wout, and those three get to the finish line in RVV? Maybe? I don't know. I genuinely don't know. And with Osgrain, it's like, will he be good enough this year to follow? Because just like last year, he has an illness in February. I think he had, was it COVID or some other respiration issue in February during Algarve? And now this year he has it at the end of February. Will that have consequences for E3 and the Classic? So I'm in doubt when it comes to Quick Step. I'm not writing them off to, to compete for them, but I don't think they will win a Cobble Classic. Okay. And you mean like, E3, Duarte Door, any, any Cobble Classic. Well, I don't really care too much about Duarte Door and Brugge de Pont and maybe Hans Wevelgem, Jakobsen can compete. That is possible. Brugge de Pont can definitely compete. But I'm talking about the actual Cobble Classics, RVV, E3 and, and Rubaiden. As in, I find it difficult to see a way where they can win that race unless Alaphilippe is on the top step, unless Osgren can make it back to the top step, which at this moment, I'm not certain about. The problem is, like Alaphilippe, we've mentioned a number of times, and this is the segue, he and Bagioli were in France last weekend. And we, well, no, I don't know what I'm saying we, maybe Benji does, but I think <laughs> Bagioli and Alaphilippe, the way a lot of these classics are raced, where people and teams are really trying to make the difference on any hill, Yeah, Alaphilippe we already know, of course, is good in them, but even riders like Bagioli in a Kerner, if he's in good position, can he follow Teish Benoit in Kerner early? That, it's he's possible. got a better chance than Seneschal in current shape. And Again, I don't, I don't know what his like, cobble status is by Jolie. I don't remember him riding on cobbles, but it's possible that he can do it properly. 
But Alaphilippe can definitely make it in those groups. Mauro Schmidt can definitely make it in those groups. He was at UAE Tour. Reportedly, supposedly, it's positioning related that he's got difficulties Bro, positioning in front of UAE? public climbs. What, sorry? What's the point of sending a classics and hill classics punchy endurance rider to UAE Tour, where there is no breakaway, where there are sprint stages, and he's not a lead-out man, and where there's pure mountaintop finishes. I think what the reason is the, is the team time trial, but I don't see that as valuable enough to not send him to the Cobble Classics. Even or if he has positioning Deschamps issues. Classic. Even if he has positioning issues, you still How's send him. How's it going to get better? Yeah, like, it's not going to get better if you don't send him to the Cobble Classics, but next to that, I also believe that you can anticipate those actions. Like, Evan Bala was in terrible position in front of the Holloway in Omlo, but then he finds his way to the front and attacks in between the hills. So, Bro, you don't make G1 in Worlds or G2 behind Remco not being able to ride a bike. Maybe you yeah. do. But not being able to ride in a classic. Come on. Yeah, I agree. I Born think he should be there. Drone classic. At a minimum, he should have been there. Yeah. And he could have really, classic. Like, he did just... Yeah. I mean, anyway. Fournardesh. There's a collection <laughs> of two. We're going to France. We're going to quick step. Positive news now. It's all right. I know what, <laughs> Maro Schmidt, we just got really invested in his career just then. Fournardesh and Drome Classic. Now, the names of these two beautiful French races change every oh. uh, year. I don't know which one is which. <laughs> Fournardesh is the one with longer climbs, they switch I think. Around. It's so confusing. I don't get it. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so confusing. Vingegaard beat Ayuso in one of them last year. It was really impressive. McNulty won the other ahead of Coos and Van Sevenant. Like Bajoli two years ago. Exciting descending. Pardon? Bajoli won one two years ago? I think. Yes, good quick step team tactics in that stage, I think. And Alaphilippe wins the first one with going early with David Gudu. Dust him in the sprint. He looked over, moved a little bit, but Gudu couldn't come up beside him. Schielmo's a third. He is churning points. Victor Lefay fourth. Gregoire fifth. Benji. Ooh, la, I like la, la, that. La. I know. <laughs> Alaphilippe's back. Why is Lefebvre going so hard at Alaphilippe? Well, What's he done wrong? Is he even in contract year? No. No. 24, he expires. I think the reasons that Lefebvre was giving was that oh, he hasn't been performing the last few years, but I disagree. He's won Tour de France stage in like two or three of the last four years. He's worn the yellow jersey in like two or three of those years. And last year he fell off his bike every, every single month in injuries. So what do you expect from a rider that can't ride because he's injured? Like, and with Osgreen, the, the, the backlash isn't there, but he's also... Same reasons. Yeah, it's the same reason. So I feel like there's a reason that we don't know that is behind the scenes. Otherwise, Lefebvre wouldn't be handling those oh. differently. But that's then a again, lot of benefit of the doubt. For yeah, Lefebvre. that's a lot of benefit of the doubt. Lefebvre has been very harsh on, on riders in the past. And it's also what I hate about Dizé. They can have trouble behind the scenes, but they shouldn't play it out in the media. Lefebvre shouldn't be writing in a column that, uh, that Alaphilippe should start winning as soon as possible. Otherwise, uh, blah, blah, blah. Like that stuff. I don't... That shouldn't be done in the media. But like, Lefebvre... Doesn't he want Alaphilippe to be a good domestique for Remco? Like, isn't Alaphilippe one of the most valuable possible domestiques in the tour in 2024 for Remco? Like, is this the right way to go about it? Alaphilippe in the Vuelta, like maybe in the Vuelta, in the first two stages, Alaphilippe demanded they went for him instead of mm -hmm. Remco, and it didn't work out, and he wasn't in good shape. I don't know. I don't know what but happened behind the scenes. But in the rest of the race, he was 100% committed. He was an extremely good domestique. Les Prairies stage, stage nine. His work in the running is unbelievably good. And he crashed out. Like, the problem I see is that a Yumbo Visma can pay Oud Fanat a significant amount of money to make sure he will still play in that domestique role while going for stage and his green jersey or something. When it comes to Alaphilippe, we're talking about a different degree of salaries at Quick Step. Remco is one of the most underpaid riders in the world, if not the most underpaid rider in the world, compared to what he can achieve. Because at Quick Step, the salaries are not as high as, 
as a at a UAE or a Yumbo and so forth. And I wonder how significant Alaphilippe's salary is. And as a consequence, whether Alaphilippe is fine with throwing away his own goals to ride completely for an entire Tour de France for Remco, or you think there'd still be moments that an Alaphilippe should be going for his own chance in that Tour de France? I mean, the thing is, Wout goes for sprints, where it's like Jonas isn't contesting, and it's like yeah. the Vuelta, the problem was these punchy finishes where I thought Remco could take bonus seconds. And, I mean, the same argument goes, though, for Roglic in the Tour with Wout in a punchier Lausanne or long wee finish, I guess. But Alaphilippe would be on more than Remco, right? He'd be on, I don't think Alaphilippe's on a steep discount. Why would he be? I would also be surprised if he's Loyalty. on... Well, maybe he's on less than Remco now, but definitely in the, a he's year ago or so. Van Avermaet money. Well, Van Avermaet is gone there at the end of the year, most likely, so... Maybe he's just trying to get rid of the salary of Alaphilippe and the books at Quickstep, Lefebvre, by bullying him away. Yeah. So we, I don't know. It's very curious to me. But anyway, he wins that race in impressive fashion in the sprint. I think that bodes well for his upcoming Classics campaign. He's doing Strada on Saturday, where he'll be one of the big uh, protagonists. He won it in 2019. The second Fornadesh Drone Classic, Fawn Drone Classic race was uh, the Fawn Drone Classic, won by Anthony Perez in a 38-kilometer solo, the Cofidis rider. This had really strong crosswinds. Uh, like he, If you watch the finish line footage, he is hesitant or reluctant to take his hands off the bars even there to celebrate because it's that um that windy so cofidus have started the season pretty well i would say in terms of cockard winning someone else win an uphill finish consoni in saudi tour now perez winning an important race for them it's not a one one it's a one dot pro it's the france's opening weekend winning ahead of quick step and groupama very nice for Cofidis. Uh And yeah, Costa keeps yep. turning those points. Um, anything from these two races that stood out to you, Benji? Hmm. Uh, I guess Grigoire being in that top five at Ardèche is really that sparked something to me. When it comes to Anthony Perez, I'm not necessarily now thinking that he's going to be doing that on the big scene. Too early, I think this is just one of those races where Cofidis had played their hand and it turned out to, uh, to work quite well. I will say that Skelmose has had a really good February and I believe that will push through throughout the season and I do expect this rider to be, to, to be more valuable throughout this year um, for Trek than he was last year because I feel like his Grand Tour didn't go perfectly last year. I don't remember what the reason was. I think he... It wasn't in a Grand Tour that he rode into the side of a ravine or something, eh? Where he said, oh, give me a bike. Skelmose. Yeah. Oh, you tested What race was that? Dauphiné, maybe? Dauphiné or Yeah. But outside of that, not much really stood out for me in these races. Then again, I didn't see more than the last 20k of these two races, to be honest. They're all for the local, um, like, domestic market, I think, because, yeah, the weekend was jam-packed. But still, they are races. If you are bored this week, I would recommend going and watching them, even the ones last year, like, the way McNulty's riding in it is you're not surprised that he does. He can perform in bigger one-day races later in the year. The other race going on that finished on the weekend was O Gran Camino, which is a race in Galicia in the north uh, west of Spain. This is near where the Vuelta finished in 21, yep. I believe. Four-day stage race. First stage was cut short by snow, uh, which we've already mentioned was probably... No, definitely the right thing to do. Yep. And then Jonas Vingegaard absolutely torched everybody in two uphill finishes on stages two and three, and then won the ITT 30 seconds ahead of Dennis. So he won GC by two minutes 31 in a four-day stage race across three stages <laughs> because stage one got cancelled. Then Crazy again, gaps. Yeah. he should have won this by a notable margin. They were talking about his biggest competitor nah, being Ruben Guerrero. Not that much. Not 231, but he should have cleaned his race regardless. Oh, of course. If he didn't win, it's like, <laughs> back up the season. 
because Tour de France is gone. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like the finishes weren't that hard. They're punchy finishes. Yeah. 3K, 7%, 4K, 7%. The second one was a little bit harder. How are you feeling about your boy Volta, Benji? Honestly, I'm pretty positive about these changes. But then again, it's logically eh? he's comes he comes from Groupama. He lived in Hungary still until the end of last year. And I think he's now moving towards an area with more mountains, if I recall correctly. And next to that, he's also got the change Andorra. that he's now got training caps, apparently. Like, he did not have altitude camps in the past. Like, I read that correctly. Nah, he must have. Surely Group, Group Harmer must do altitude camps. I swear I saw um, an article where he said, Tata was my first altitude camp. Mm. Nah. They must. I can't be right, eh? Maybe for that time of the year. Volta, if, if he could confirm. But yeah. Like, yeah. If that's true, then, and I don't doubt it, then, wow, no surprise. Uh, but yeah, he comes fourth on GC, and he was also quite good in launching Vingegaard. He will be a co-leader, one would think, at Strata this weekend. He's already come fourth in that race last year, so I'm really yes. keen to see how he goes yes. there. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, is from It's Benji. happening. What's happening? Vanderpool versus Valter. <laughs> well, I don't think you want that happening. It's not a good situation for you, boy. He's going to destroy him. You'll see. <laughs> Imagine. He drops him on Sienna. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh. Okay. Jonas does what he's supposed to do. I mean, I know he's supposed to win, Benji, but to be honest, I've never seen Vingegaard perform like this in a non-world tour race. Yeah, he wasn't like this at pro race. He's in much better shape right now than he was this time last year. That we can say. Yeah, that's true, and it's good for Paris that's upcoming because then we'll have the Vingegaard Pogacar battle, and we won't necessarily just have a an out of form Vingegaard fighting with a, a relatively informed Pogacar. So we're gonna see two of the big guns fighting against each other there, and that's gonna be a great a good race, eh? Because uh, oh, everybody's running unreal. away from Strade, but Paris should be good, eh? I mean, maybe they don't wanna. They don't want to ride against Enric Mas in Torino, and I don't blame them. They're <laughs> ducking Enrique Mas, who will clean Torino yeah. Adriatico. But yeah, Paranis is going to be crazy. We'll be covering that every day, of course, next week. I believe it starts after Strada, and with a TTT, with crosswind stages, with a long mountaintop finish, with that nasty stage eight where Roglic nearly lost it all last year, with Pogaccia against Jonas, both in oh, top shape. Oh, oh, oh. A, a feast. For the but senses. The echelons at the start. Will Vingegaard have the flat support if Valfinard and the and the flat boys are going to Tirena or or I I haven't checked the start list, so I don't know who else is there, but I'm gonna guess there's someone to to help out your boy um Vingegaard in that race, eh? Olaf Koy, Van Hoydonk is there. Foss, Laporte, wow, they'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dennis <laughs> on PCS, Dennis, Foss, Van Hoydonk, Koy, Laporte, so I mean, UAE ain't putting famous last words, but probably UAE aren't putting those guys in the gutter. Um, but we'll see. That'll be that'll be a cracker. But yeah, Gran Camino. It is a shame about the weather. They got unlucky with it. It is a late cold snap in northern Spain at the moment. Uh, but oh, I also want to point out uh, Lucas Neruca. Neruca. He's nineteen on Trinity. Uh, British rider. And he oh, came yeah, yeah. sixth on GC. Not so, bad, eh? Ineos incoming, right? Yeah, I would guess so as well. I think Ineos is knocking on that door as well, unless their relationship with Trinity is fucked still. I don't recall it still being fucked. I think Turner signed there recently. So, I think it's back to good. Yeah, I think it, it's fine as well. But very shortly, the drone footage. Let's talk about it for like one oh, minute. Yeah. The drone footage. I like there being drones introduced in cycling to make the broadcasts safer in a way or to innovate the broadcasting in the sport but apparently the national champion of spain when it comes to like drone racing and so forth was the pilot of the drone and it like when the round thing ago in the time trial and went really close like i had some like ex drone pilot say on twitter that he was flying roughly 100 centimeters on on the left of the wheel of Vingo at certain points in the time trial that's too close right because like the rules when it comes to drone flying is very vague where the race has to give like has to check if they have their license and so forth and needs to respect the safety of the riders but what is the safety of the riders should 
a drone be able to fly 100 centimeters on the left of the wheel of Vingegaard in a time trial? If he goes to the left, is that drone pilot able to respond in time? That kind of stuff? It's, it's risky all, eh? I don't like it the I way it, it is now. It should only be allowed behind the rider yeah. and above the rider. So if they crash and fall in front of you, you're going to fly over the top of them. Yeah. They can't, they're not going to go backwards. I rarely see riders going backwards. So yeah. behind and above seems to me, isn't that what they did in CX? Uh, in really CX, good. they did that and they stayed on a distance. I think there was a rule of it needs to be the gap between that rider and the next rider on the course needed to be 15 seconds, if I recall correctly, to make sure that it couldn't fall on the next rider either. And they had to stay behind the rider and on a safe distance. So those are an appropriate amount of rules. I'm not a drone expert. I've flown one and I've used footage of one. But outside of that, I've not flown them in, in cycling races, obviously. But that seems to be more appropriate than the flying that was happening there. And also, I feel like the drone wow. usage should better the broadcasting. But I feel like it were more the shots you would see in trailers that we saw in Gran Camino, like flying around the rider like crazy and so forth. That's overkill for me. It needs to be just trying to replace what we have and try to find angles that are not necessarily possible with motorbikes and you can do with drones without endangering a rider. So let's give an example. Um, Rocamador, the TT at the end of Tour de France last year, or pick an even narrower TT finish, a TT. I'll give you an example. Giro final TT. 4Ks, 15%. Motorbikes can stall. They yep. also, at that speed, it's a rough surface. It's in a really narrow road. Maybe it isn't a drone following the riders on that steep climb the best way to broadcast them on the TT. Yeah, I think so as well. Yeah. They're going so slow. Yeah. Like, quicker than me but yeah. it's they're gonna not be going on that quick i think that's a great place where it's narrow and technical and you don't want motorbikes stalling on the climb anyway because like i also we're saying, know nothing about drones we're saying use drones and so forth to follow in the in the pojo descent but it's very difficult to think of safe no. ways of doing that huh no that's too high speed yeah to, i mean Someone can always say, oh, that's a safe way of doing it. Maybe if they just stay above, that's fine too. But to me, that's like, if they're behind Morich, they can't be in front yeah. of him because how can you judge yeah. speed? They could be behind him above. I guess that's fine. But then other riders are going to be coming under you if they're chasing back and you can't see. You're not going to be watching both angles yeah. the whole time. I don't know. I, but then it's like, how do you get rid of the motorbikes yeah. on the Poggio? I guess the answer is, can you not do fixed cameras on the Poggio? Should be able to. Or just the heli shot. Yeah. I don't know. I think the heli shot and some fixed cameras. Maybe we're missing something, but anyway. That was Gran Camino. Strada Bianca, though. This Saturday, the race around the Tuscan roads, the end 184Ks. Walvenart's not doing it because he said he got sick or something. And then he's, so he's staying at um, the pilgrimage on Tayde for longer. And so the big guns we have here are Vanderpool, Pidcock, and that's, am I missing someone, Benji? Um, Attila Walter, my man. Come on. We just spoke about him. Alaphilippe. Alaphilippe. <laughs> but yeah. I like Morich for this race. By the way, it's 11 gravel sectors, 68 Ks. Generally, Vanderpool launched and thinned the group out in mm -hmm. the last three gravel sectors. There was a huge crash last year. I would say the race last year is not representative of generally how Strada Bianca plays out because that crash really changed everything for Alphalete and Quickstep. Yeah. Isn't this, Benji, the mm -hmm. perfect race for Quickstep to try something different to what they did in 2021 and what they even did in 2022? with Asgren and Alaphilippe, after Alaphilippe was brought back from the crash in 22, they had Asgren pacing the front of the peloton. Then Alaphilippe attacked yeah. in sectors 7 and 8, I think, and then got dropped, and then he started pacing for Asgren, but it was too late. Poggy gone on his journey to, to gladiator victory. Surely it's they're also, equal. It's also a different thing 
compared to like the Cobble Classics now, in this race, they actually have a chance of like competing for the victory with Alaphilippe. So let's not count this guy out because there is no all-out Yumbo team without a Wout here. They've got Benoit and Walter and Trotnik. Those are strong riders. Milan Vader will probably be okay on the, on the, on the Strade gravel sections as well. But outside of that, we're looking at teams with a few leaders like UAE is there with Wellens, who will certainly be a strong rider. Kron at Lotto will also be an individual rider and so forth that will do well. I think it matters a lot on what Vanderpool wants to do in this race as well. Do you expect him to just launch again like crazy on Santa Marie halfway the race already? I mean, he hasn't raced yet this year, which no. is... I have CX, not, so I have no idea about his shape. He um, won CX Worlds. When was that? Is that good? January? I think that's pretty decent. Okay. Um, <laughs> when he won Strata Bianca, I'm being facetious, sort of. <laughs> Uh, when he won Strata Bianca in 2021, he raced UAE Tour, but then he DNS'd because of COVID positive, maybe, uh, stage two, but he won the first stage, came 12th in Kerna, 37th in Le Samin, four days before Strata. So he mm -hmm. did a pretty traditional preparation, and then he had a fantastic classics year, I must say, yeah. uh, and Terreno. So I don't know. I would say, Benji, Alperson not looking good. They've scored 150 points in two months. UCI yeah, points. but I'm not worried. Because Vanderpool hasn't come in action. Gross hasn't come in action. Philipson had a puncture before the Muir, and then in Kuhn he fell. So they haven't sent their riders to the races to score those points in the first place. And I think Gross that will start now that Marge is starting. I don't know. I have a feeling, Benji. I have a feeling they'll not be nearly as good as last year outside of Vanderpool. And they really need him to completely overperform. They've lost Vine. They've lost Hermans. They do mm -hmm. have Surin Kravitz come in, but he's not looked good so well, far. They gained Hermans, right? Fuck. All these Belgian teams, man. It's like... <laughs> it's like um, musical chairs. <laughs> yeah, they gained Quentin Hermans. So, okay. They're going to do fine. Don't worry about them. But yeah, <laughs> my point is, you saw what happened in 2021 if Alaphilippe goes yeah. to Siena with Vanderpool. He's probably going to lose that. He got torched. I mean, he might drop him another day. He might, he might have cracked, whatever. I want to see what Asgren can do in a co-leader role in, in Strada Bianca. Will he already be back? Do we He's know that? Sick. I hope so. I hope so. Who have you got, I fear who have you got winning? Who do you think will open the race up? I think it'll be UAE because Wellens told Lotto to do that in years before. Um, I think Ineos might open it up. Pitkovsky, Pitcock, Sheffield. Turner is not there, which would have been a really strong rider to yeah, help there as well. So every team's like without a rider to really decide, oh, let's open it up. But riders that I do expect to perform well are the likes of Quinn Simmons, who was strong at the start of the year at San Juan already. I expect him to be in similar form as that Strada Bianca in the past where he punctured and the internet was celebrating that he punctured. And then Andreas Kron, I do expect to be strong as well because he had a really solid start to the season as well. I think Wellens, we can expect to be in a group that forms, but who will open it up on Santi Marie? And then I'm like, who wants to open it up at Santi Marie? Wellens and Moritz. They can't yeah. go to the sprint. And they That's don't true. want Yumbo to play numbers against them yeah. in the final. Or Ineos. More, actually, Ineos' team is looking maybe a little bit stronger than Yumbo Visma here as well. So Ineos also, they, play, they could play numbers. I think Morich and, and UAE with Wellens have to open it up and will open it up early because they didn't Kerner like, and yeah. they did Nomlope, So yeah. I'll be interested to see. Vanderpool will probably follow. And they'll re-attack. I think it'll be a good race, even Wins. without Poggy and Van Aert. Long pause. <laughs> <laughs> I just... Morich. I think Morich Okay. Wins. I, I, I think wins. Wellens is physically stronger. Yeah. But I think Morich is a bit smarter. Okay. Which is... Seems ridiculous to say because Wellens has won so many races, but 
the the way Morich talks about a race is beautiful. Like, love to get him on the podcast after the race is unbelievable. The lucidity he has for the race moments. But it's, so I think Morich wins. It could be either of them. I'll go for. Fuck it, I'll go Belgian style. Tim Mullins wins Strade. I you about to say Tim Mullier. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like man, it's out of control. <laughs> it w- man lands one day in <laughs> in Gestel and he's, <laughs> he makes Tim Mullier for Tour de France, GC. <laughs> you're on, what's this podcast bizzo you're doing? And watch alongs. Tell the people. Tell the Belgians. Now that they're here, uh, now that they're listening since you picked Wellens. Well, Hadnis Blood is like a newspaper in Belgium and they've got this thing called Café Coors and they've got watch-alongs on their, on their website where I will be watching RVVN Roubaix together with Sergeant, Marc Sergeant, ex-DS uh, and team manager of, uh, of Lotto and Dirk de Wolf, ex-a lot okay. of things in cycling and cyclist and commentator and radio person I think pundit. as well in the past and podcast person and oh, a busy man. So uh, I'll be watching along with, with them in something called Café Coors, which, is, uh, which can be followed on at Nice Blood, the website. But hey, let's not advertise them too much. They've got a cycling podcast Mate. as well. <laughs> for all I know, you guys picked Tim, Tim Merlier for Tour de France GC. So <laughs> <laughs> my, my Duolingo, I'm like two, two stars in. <laughs> I don't think I'm ready to, yeah. yeah. But uh, anyway, that's uh, Strada gonna... Bianca. How are we going to finish this on a really sad fucking story? I mean, yeah, it is weird. Anyway, we have to mention, we mentioned at the top of the show, Antonio Tiberi, who's like a GC prospect, quite a good, promising young rider, Italian rider on Trek Segafredo. You'll see him at Tour de Hungary and UAE Tour. I think he just came top 10 in GC. News came out in Corriere, and it was shared uh, on Twitter by Dot Cycling. Pro at Cycling Pro, I apologize, Marco Fonarigo, who's an Italian journalist, that he had been fined 4,000 euros uh, for shooting with an air rifle uh, a cat in San Marino, which is a micro state in Italy, I think near Rimini on the eastern coastline, yeah. where it has lower taxes. But anyway, he shot one of the San Marines, Marinais. Um, Minister's cats, and he said he wanted to, like, test out the rifle and his aim in the article. Yeah. And at first, he, he said didn't expect he, to hit the cat. Apparently, according to the article, his defense said that he was testing out the air rifle at like uh, a traffic uh, pole thingy, and then yeah. he also stupidly, according to the defense, uh, decided to try it on a cat and didn't expect to kill it which is like a very fucked up and stupid thing to do. And I'm not shocked that the internet is hunting him down for it because that's a, just a fucking stupid thing to do, eh? Like, I mean, ah, I can't wrap my head around it. It's such a stupid thing to do. It's like and, a pretty high-powered air rifle. Yeah. It's dumb as fuck. I mean, the thing is like, I don't know, the, a lot of the, you know, at school, boarding school, you know, a lot of farmers' kids, like, and in Andorra, even and Spain, Italy, like shooting rabbits and stuff is totally normal, totally normal. But I guess it is not. I guess it is totally different uh, legally to shoot at someone's pet. Like that's just in like an urban area. That's what's yeah. crazy. Like from his house, apparently. So I don't know what's going on there. He has been fined, but we we did delay recording because apparently, according to. Uh, O'Shea on Twitter, she said that a statement was coming from Trek at some point. We've tried to wait, but it hasn't come out yet. So we don't know what's happening or what they're doing. Um, I don't really, like, there's no guidelines for such a bizarre story. I guess if they could, yeah. I'm assuming they're trying to find out why he's doing this because it is, like, I guess concerning. Why are you shooting cats, Antonio? Yeah. What are they going to ask him? Like, I think they're going to suspend him for a, for a temporary think, amount of time in similar fashion that they did with Quinn Simmons to, like, respond to the backlash in some sense. Yeah, probably. I don't know. It's... I think it's easier to su- suspend him than it is with Simmons because here, a 
court or whatever in San Marino has literally fined him. So yeah, it's more obvious you have done something uh, wrong. And yeah. but yeah, just just very odd. Um, I yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, as you said, Benji, I don't I don't much to say on this. So it was a weird story that I wanted to say, but it's you know the young. I do this is a separate, close the book on that, but it yeah. has prompted me to say this is not directly related, but I do worry about a lot of the young riders and their isolation, and they're yeah. in countries that they're not with their family network, and some guys manage fine. Some guys have their partners with them and women and women that have to go overseas from Australia or whatever, and it's too expensive to go back. You know, it's, I worry about like there's teenagers now living in Andorra, which I get that. like Andorra is safe. It's like a safe, great country. I'm just saying like, if you don't speak the language and you move over, that is tough. So, and there's been a lot of the chatter about, you know, should riders be forced to do a U23 couple of years, Benji, to... I'm not really in line with that. I think if you're good enough to get paid a lot of money, yep. who knows what can happen if you break your leg. But I think a lot of those conversations stem from that. That like, yeah, he's six hours on the bike every day, no family support, living in a micro estate, teenager, stuff. Uh, but that's cycling, I guess, at the moment. So, yeah, who do you think's going to win the Cement Benji? Finish on a positive note. The Wolfpack. I don't know. I don't even where know who's it? riding there. Where is it? Is it near your house? <laughs> I don't even know where it is. <laughs> what do you, I don't know. The you, only thing I know about Lissame is that don't they have like a, a really ugly website? Like, I'll give you <laughs> two minutes. You got to go to the website of Lissame. <laughs> you go to the website. It's got like an enter button. You click on the enter button, entrée, and then you've got like a presentation screen that looks like Wait, it was made French. 17 years ago. At is the bottom, you've got buttons that don't look like buttons. It's like someone really enjoyed making this website as a 10-year-old. Dude, remember um, Remco's merch? It, like the MS, the Microsoft uh, With the fire. merch? Actually fucking fire. Like, I was like, <laughs> well, I will buy all of this. this there's literally so a fire good. on the website. <laughs> yeah, it was like, it was like flames, like someone would put on like when you ate on your skateboard or something. It's crazy. Very effective because I obviously... Um, I found it very appealing because I'm the mind of a 12-year-old. Oh, okay. Lissman's in Wallonia. That's why Benji doesn't care about it. All right. Um, <laughs> we have our answer. Wow. <laughs> Thanks for listening as I, always. I reject Thanks this. <laughs> no, nah, I'm cutting Benji off so he can't, can't reject it. Um, let us know if you enjoyed this style of recap uh, so we could cover off some of the other races <gasps> in the uh, early week. I'm about to go to Andorra tomorrow. 36-hour journey. Can't wait. Um, yeah, I'm going to be miserable. Thanks as always. Until then, ciao.